You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Mary Jo, you just returned from five weeks in Europe and Africa, right? <laughs> I did, I did. We got home last night. And I'm surprisingly, I'm su- yeah, surprisingly not tired. Really? See, I'm wondering, I think five weeks, anything longer than a month away, kind of makes you an immigrant. So I was thinking <laughs> about <laughs> chartering a plane and flying you up to, uh, uh, what is it? It's in Cape Cod. I forget the name. Martha's Vineyard? Is that? Yeah, that where he said, "Yeah, I think we will fly you there, and you'll actually like it there." It's very I think nice. I'll love it there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. So while you were gone, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and Governor Greg Abbott have begun <laughs> taking uh, people who have come into the United States looking for refugee status and putting them on a bus, or in Ron's case. He's always a little classier. He stuck him on a plane and sent him up north to some blue state. What do you think about them apples? He chartered a plane, which is very expensive with taxpayers' money. So what I was wondering about when I first heard this, and then I did hear some discussion about this today and read a little bit about it. Um, You know, there are definitely some legal issues involved with what the governor has done because it's um, kind of a little like a human trafficking. Well, it is. I mean, what I wondered is human trafficking is a good description, but if you take another person and put them in a vehicle and send them across state lines, how far away are you from kidnapping? Well, Maybe that's the same thing. I guess. I mean, it's, and I don't know whether folks went willingly, but there were false pretenses involved. Well, yeah. Did you hear? Pretenses. Yeah. They told people that they were going to see President Kennedy while they were up there. I'm (laughs) serious. Or John John. John John, Uh, yeah. But, you know, and one of the things that's just puzzled me, and again, it's like filling in the blanks. So they told them that they would have jobs, but does that assume that all these folks have work permits? Now, I guess they were all Venezuelans and they had made a claim for asylum, which is something that would allow you to stay in the United States while that claim is adjudicated. And I, I guess you can get permission to work while you... Um, are awaiting the outcome of your hearing. But one of the, th- I, just from having done a, just a smidgen of immigration work, um, one of the things that made me, that puzzled me is you can have a case transferred if you move. So let's say they're in Florida. So I'm assuming they flew, these folks would have flown to Florida. I don't think they would have swum there. And, um, and why are they in Florida? Well, it's close to the closest country, uh, state to Venezuela. And, you know, it's a huge Spanish-speaking state. I don't know where in Florida they lived, Miami or whatever. 
but their cases would have been filed in Florida where there are immigration lawyers and maybe they have a better chance of putting together the evidence that they need to make their claim. And then you put them on a plane and you send them to Martha's Vineyard. They're not even in a city. And how are they going to continue to manage their asylum claims? So it's just like, these are the logistics. This is the stuff I think about because it's not just, it's not like they sent them to New York or even Boston, which is where they promised they'd be sending them, where they told them they would be sending them. And these are big cities with immigration courts and immigration lawyers and everything else. On the other hand, I do understand that there's a labor shortage in Martha's Vineyard. So maybe these folks really can get jobs. And it seems to me, the, it seems from the reporting that the nice people in Martha's Vineyard are helping them out, putting them up, giving them places to stay. So. But, but isn't Martha's Vineyard, maybe just my impression from here, doesn't it just kind of typify East Coast kind of wealthy, elite, pointy-headed if you want, why pick Martha's Vineyard unless you're trying to stick it to the libs? Well, you're right? trying to own the libs. But own I the libs. That's right. I can never get the phrase right. You don't mm -hmm. stick it to them. You own the libs. And so you go. I saw Ron DeSantis uh, in his press conference with just this oily kind of quality, like a little kid saying, oh, no, I thought I was just doing it nice. I, we in Florida, we were helping them out the best they can. And I think they're really going to appreciate our help. Forget it, Ron. You were owning the libs, right? And right. where better to own it than Martha's Vineyard? Which I, I think is one of those sanctuary cities, you know, which is just a very symbolic kind of thing because not that many um, undocumented immigrants asylum seekers make it to Martha's Vineyard. So it's easy to be an asylum city. It's like Cleveland Heights, the city we grew up in, declared itself a nuclear free zone. And that always cracked me up because it's like, when were nuclear anything going to be transported through Cleveland Heights? It's not a highway. You know what I mean? So sometimes it is kind of a liberal thing, right, to like make a statement when you know something is not going to affect you. And I do think if I just giving DeSantis a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, not that I agree with what they've done, there is a part of that I think that's going on. Like, sure, you're a sanctuary city, but do you have the issues we have with undocumented folks? You don't. Because I guess, and I don't know whether you'd heard this, John, the Department of Homeland Security has been arguing for some of this um, re, um, how do you call it, you know, like resettlement, I, I would, I guess I would say, of folks that are at the southern border. And there are other parts of the United States that one could use these folks for jobs and all other kind of stuff. And second, just to kind of take the pressure off of the southern border. And Biden and the Biden administration writ large has pushed back against that because of because the southern governors have made it like a political theater. 
So I was thinking when I heard that this morning, that this is where our politics gets in the way of us making good decisions, one good policy and two good decisions. Because if those Southern governors would be working with Department of Homeland Security and saying, is there maybe a way for us to take the pressure off? And we'll see if we can resettle some of these folks up North and let Northern folks understand the pressure of a lot of undocumented people, because I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with people along the border, whether it's Texas or California, and I don't care what their politics are. They complain about it. Well, and I understand that, but I, I mean, I guess the question is, this is kind of stupid, but that's never held me back. Uh, <laughs> if the governors want to do that, and I understand that. I, I think you're making a good point. What if Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott pick up uh, the phone to the governor of New York, who I think her first name is Kathy, Kathy Hochul, yeah, right? And, and so Ron says, hi, Kath, it's Ron. Uh, hey, Ron. And he said, you know, I was thinking, could we, like you and I, and um, maybe we'll call J.B. Pritzker in Illinois, we'll call some other people, could we all get together and talk about a system? It's it's not clear to me that the federal government could do this, but we're governors. We could work it out where you could pitch in and, and we could be a part of this and we could really try and take care of this and take some of the pressure off of our, our border. See, wouldn't that be a way to do it as opposed to chartering a plan and sending some people to Martha's, Martha's Vineyard? Honestly, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's like where the politics are getting in the way. As importantly, this is an issue for Congress to solve. So it's not for the governors to solve. It's not for Biden to solve. So if you're DeSantis, shouldn't you be saying to Marco Rubio, to Rick Scott, to your Congress people, listen, guys, I want you to show some leadership and engage in immigration reform. To, to do this performative stuff, to send buses of people and drop them off in front of Kamala Harris's house. You know, this is the kind of crazy stuff they're doing to own the libs instead of saying, this is a problem and we all acknowledge it's a problem. What are we gonna do to fix it? You know, when they when Kamala Harris goes down to Central America and tries to work with these countries to, um, you know, increase their um, or help their economies, whatever it is, so people aren't leaving and minimize the violence. You know, they make fun of her instead of saying, "Wow, that's a great idea," because you got to stem the flow. You got to give a reason for people to stay where they're at. Right, and you have to recognize this is right now a large global concern, not just the United States. People are not coming into the United States just because they don't have good Taco Bells in South America and they want to come up there. That's just not it. Or because they want to take your jobs, not that. Instead, we have a massive movement of people all around the globe, uh, driven by conflict, driven by violence, driven by climate change, 
And when you're at that level of problem, it does take Kamala Harris going down south. It frankly probably takes the leaders of the world sitting down and talking about what we can do about the movements of people and not a solution that says, okay, we're going to build a wall. And it's so interesting after having spent five weeks, as you noted, in Europe, the issues are the same there. You know, they may not have a build the wall and they're not South Americans or North Africans or Africans coming, um, Eastern Europeans, but it's this, these are the same issues, which is movements of people who are just trying to build a better life for themselves and the people who are already there, whether they're first or second generation or been in that country for thousands of years, hundreds of years, so excuse me, um, saying, yeah, that's great. But as a taxpayer, as a person who's here, how do we deal with the folks coming in who don't have jobs, who are not cultural fits, whatever it is? And so this issue of the, the human, the movement of human beings, you know, and as the Pope has said, people have the right to move anywhere in this world that God gave us. They but do. Na but nationally, these are issues that must be dealt with at the legislative and the executive level. Well, you're exactly right. Uh, and you said before, it's got to be done at the legislative level. Uh, and remember, there was an attempt to do it. And interestingly, the guy right in the middle of a very rational approach to this was Marco Rubio. There was a group they called the Gang of Eight, uh, a bipartisan group who came up uh, with an immigration reform package. Didn't please anybody. Uh, so it probably was a good one because they had parts of everything. And Ron DeSantis could call and say, Hey, Marco, just talk to Kathy, but she suggested that maybe I give you a call and bring that Gang of Eight thing back. Man, Marco Rubio is so far away from it, and he, in a way, is a symbol of how senators and congresspeople then learn, don't go anywhere near immigration. And so we've never had a serious attempt afterwards. Yeah, I mean, the politics are so poison, and even though we said that we would have this um, this episode without mentioning Donald Trump. I will say that one of the things that's happened as the nativism, the anti-immigrant position of Trumpism, I'm not just saying it's not just Trump because it predates him, as that has ascended, it has made it so difficult to fix this problem because there are the political cost for anybody being reasonable, particularly on the right, is just way too high. So I don't see the solution other than this performative politics that um, we're seeing now. And in the meantime, John, there are human beings, actual human beings with the same kind of hopes, dreams, and prayers that we have who are being shuttled about and being used for political reasons. And that, I think, is very tragic. It's awful. I'm going to end, as I love to do, with Immanuel Kant. Uh, there, what is more fun than that? And <laughs> the second categorical imperative, which says, 
it is always wrong to use a human being as a means or an instrument towards an end. That defines wrong. And when you say it's a categorical imperative, it means there can be no exceptions to that. And what there's a lot of complexity about immigration here, but using people, transporting them to achieve your political end, that violates the categorical imperative. And I bet when Ron hears that, he's going to be upset. <laughs> well, it does feel like in his parlance that it could backfire on him. So I we'll guess. see. All right. Okay, bye. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.